Okay, if you have a Bible, you can open to Luke chapter four, or if you have an app on your phone, or if you want to open up the Living Word app, you can read it there. Luke chapter four, I'm going to be starting in, in verse 14. Uh, verse 14. This is a passage that upends the status quo. It upends the status quo. So if you would, if you please stand with me as we read. Jesus returned to Galilee in the, uh, in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet was uh, Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the the scroll, uh, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You may be seated. It is a very ordinary context. It is the synagogue. It is the place where Jews, where Jesus would have gone week after week after week after week. And in that very ordinary, normal place, Jesus turns their worlds upside down. Now, many of them don't know it yet, but their worlds will be turned upside down. So today we're coming to the table for communion. We're going to do it a little bit differently than we do, and you'll understand why from this passage in a moment. Uh, As we do, I'd like us to consider a few things, three things, before we come to the table about this passage. Uh, Number one is this idea of communing together, why it's so important, this idea of communing together. Second is Who's the gospel for? Who's the good news actually for, according to to Jesus? And then third, um, how do we live this thing called this scandalous uh, jubilee, it's called in the Bible? And that's going to lead us to the table. So in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, this is what it says. Jesus went to Nazareth, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. So here he is with his people in this community that he grew up in. Every day, uh, every week for a Jewish person, the synagogue was the center of their world. Here, have a look at this, uh, this image. Uh, these are, this is from the town of Chorazim, which is on the Sea of Galilee. Um, this is an old, this is a, a synagogue, you, probably from about the fifth century. Uh, AD. You see those, um, those blocks around there, like they look like fences almost, or that's where people would, would have been living at the time. So look at where the synagogue is and look where people's homes are. They're all right there. In England, they called it the parish, uh, period. You know, they, they would build parishes. And the, the point of it was this. Um, people were not independent of one another. Communities of faith were interdependent beings and, and communities and entities. You would go to the synagogue and 
you would talk about how business is and the matchmaker would be there and there'd be a conversation during the worship service of, is that guy's son gonna marry that guy's daughter? And sometimes they would agree, sometimes they wouldn't agree. So that's what would be, that, that's what would be going on. The people's existence was around this thing called this community of faith. They related to God in the midst of that. Now, as we consider that, I want you to consider what a worship service might look like because this informs our passage a whole bunch. So you come into a worship service, if you could put this up here, um, you come in and the first thing you would do, or one of the first things you would do is you would recite, it, the entire community would recite the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Uh, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, Deuteronomy chapter six. Every single week at the beginning and the end of a worship time, you would, you would recite that. There would be some hymns and psalms read and sung, kind of like what we just did. And then the Torah scroll would be removed from the ark. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible, um, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And during the year, over the 52 Saturdays of the year, the, your synagogue would read through the Torah in a prescribed way. Right after Rosh Hashanah, you would start in Genesis 1-1, and by the end of that year, you would finish up with Deuteronomy chapter 34. Every synagogue around the world, even today, reads the same Torah portion in each week. I don't know what it is this week, but everyone is reading the exact same thing all over the world. And then after that's done, the scroll is put back into the ark, and then there's more readings, there's more additional prayers, and then there's something called a Haftorah reading. A Haftorah reading is if you've ever been to a bar mitzvah, that's where the bar mitzvah boy or girl reads their Haftorah portion. And that is selections from the prophets. Now, I don't actually know how those are, those prophets were selected. All I know is that Isaiah is one of them, Jeremiah is one of them, Hosea is one of them, but not all of the prophets that we have in our Bible are part of the Haftorah readings. And here's the thing, every synagogue can choose like when they're reading from the scroll of Jeremiah during the year. It's not prescribed. So Jesus comes into the synagogue and he's asked to come up to do his reading. And he is given the scroll of Isaiah which means that that synagogue at that time was reading from Isaiah. Now, here's the thing, here's the thing. When the reader came up to read from Isaiah, he was not told what passage to read. It was up to the reader to decide where he was going to read from. And so when the passage says, he found the place where it is written, he unrolled the, 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 the scroll and he found the place where this was written. Why is that important? Well, Jesus, Jesus had a point to make. He, he had something to say here. He could have chosen 50 different passages. He chose this one. So understand this about the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapters one through 39 is, one, is the first part. And that's about judgment, basically. It's about God's judgment on Israel, on the nations, on sin, on the brokenness of the world. And then in Isaiah chapter 40 to 66, it is basically about redemption and especially redemption through this Messiah who's about to come. That's Isaiah in its, 
entirety, right there. Isaiah 1 through 39, 40 to 66. And Jesus selects Isaiah 61. And what's it say? This is the second point. Who's he, who's he talking to? Who's the gospel really for? Why does he choose this passage? Well, listen to what it says. <clears throat> he says, this is Isaiah 61, he's quoting. He's come to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Okay, question. Who's in the room where he's speaking? Bunch of religious Jewish guys, right? Are there any blind people there? Not a one. You know why? The blind were not allowed into the synagogues. Kind of ironic, isn't it? Jesus said, oh yeah, I've, I've come to give sight to the blind. Oh, where's the blind guy? Oh, there's no blind guy here. I've come to give freedom to the oppressed. Oh, where are they? They're in the outer courts of the temple. They're, they're not in synagogues. They weren't allowed in. So Jesus quotes this passage, and what's he basically saying to all these sort of middle-class folks who are religious folks? Wake up. Wake up. I mean, he's got to be saying something more than what they're just reading here. Of course, Jesus is saying that he has come for the blind and for those in bondage and all of that. By the way, if you read Isaiah 61, the whole, all, the whole thing, he talks about coming for those who mourn, who are grieving, who are broken because of something else, who, are, who have been abused. So it's not just the, the physically blind. So there's a much longer list. But perhaps... What he's, what he's beginning to talk about, about this kingdom, is that he's talking to ordinary normal people and saying, friends, you're blind. And I'm blind. And you're in bondage to sin, and I'm in bondage to sin. And you don't have your act together even though you come to the synagogue every week or to church every week. You're more broken and more needy than you'll ever know. And our journey, our journey to this table is to embrace and acknowledge and humble ourselves to that. Right after, right after Jesus is done with this passage, in this scene, you know what he does? He goes out and he starts his public teaching ministry right after this. And the first words out of his mouth teaching are these, these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's not just the physically poor, it's the spiritually poor, it's the mentally poor, it's, it's those of us who acknowledge finally that we're a mess, that we're broken, that we're full of sin, that we need something beyond ourselves that will rescue us. And that's why Jesus preaches from Isaiah 61, because that's the, these are the passages, these are the chapters of where the Messiah comes, the anointed one comes, the one who is going to rescue his people comes at this time. That's why he, he talks, to, that, talks to them in this way. 
Now, I would almost guarantee you that a whole bunch of people sitting in that synagogue that day were sitting there going, he's not talking to me. I'm not blind. I don't need liberation. I go, I go to church every week. I go to synagogue every week. I say the Shema every day. I read the mourner's Kaddish. I do all those things. I bar mitzvah my kids. I do all that kind of stuff. He's not talking about me. Anybody relate to that person? Anybody? I, I think a lot of us, myself included, could be in that category. And that's why this passage upends the status quo so much. You see, Jesus, what should happen at this moment is Jesus should read from the passage and then he sits back down and then whoever reads from that passage, they give a little commentary or sermonette after that. You know what I mean? Like, and then usually the rabbis will talk about, well, and you know, this rabbi said that what he means by the blind is this and this rabbi says what he means by the oppressed is this. And it would kind of be a theological bantering. What's Jesus do? Well, Jesus reads from the passage, and then he says, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, who probably put it back in the ark, that's what you're supposed to do, and then he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. They're waiting for him to preach. They're waiting for him to expound on the passage. And he began by saying, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Mic drop. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Did, did he just say that he's the fulfillment? Did he really do that? I can imagine the two Jewish guys in the back row going, hey, this guy's kind of crazy, Meshugana. Woo, watch out. I, it, it's astounding what he says. And he just, he leaves it out there. But he doesn't just say that. He ends with this line. He says, I've come to set the oppressed free. And then it says, to proclaim the, Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. And it is a reference to the Jubilee in Leviticus chapter 25. Before I get to that, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had credit card debt, student loan debt, a mortgage or auto loan? Raise your hand. Okay? If you haven't, we wanna meet you. Okay? All right, right? One of those, one of those things. You might have them now. You might have big ones, small ones, whatever. Imagine someone comes up to you with just, just do a mental like accounting. You don't have to do it out loud of how much of that money there is out there. Yo, $50,000, $100,000, quarter million dollars, whatever it is of all that. And someone comes up to you and says, I'm paying it all right now. Every last penny. Pretty sweet. I mean, you feel it? You feel like you get lighter, don't you? You can breathe. Like there's like, 
I know we're all kind of like, uh, we're all fantasizing now, I know. But you, you feel it, don't you? Okay, this is what the Jubilee was. In Leviticus chapter 25, the Jewish people, they lived under the law and every 50 years or so, a little bit less than 50 years, they had borrowed money and they had been living on other people's land. And, and, and at the end of that 50 years, God said, look, we're going, we're, we're just, we're getting rid of all the debt. We're getting rid of everything that everybody owes everybody. You go back to your own land and we start all over. And it was a jubilee. It was this huge celebration that people had and they looked forward to it. And it was this huge relief and release for people as they live out their lives. I want you to notice something about this. In Leviticus chapter 25, the Jubilee, the year of Jubilee starts on a specific day, on the Day of Atonement, on Yom Kippur. The Day day of Atonement for the Jewish person is the most holy day of the year, still is, still was then, and it was when God forgave people's sins for the year before. And the way that that happened was you slaughtered a lamb, you went to synagogue, you, you repented of your sin, and God forgave sin. The Jubilee starts on the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement. And Jesus is saying here, I'm the Day of Atonement. Jesus is saying, this right here is the Day of Atonement. This here is when all of your debts, all of your sin are wiped clean. And what you and I need to do is we need to receive that. We need to accept that by faith, not not by some crazy works that we do and not because we go to church so many times or we do any, any of that stuff that we do. It is a pure gift of God. And it is by no mistake, by no mistake, where Jesus says, he came to proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor. And every Jewish person would go, Jubilee, Jubilee, I know what he's talking about. And then if you look at that, they know that the Jubilee starts on the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement is the day that Jesus dies on a cross for you and for me. That's the Day of Atonement. The reason that we can celebrate Jubilee, the reason that our debts are forgiven, our sins are forgiven, is because Jesus is the Day of Atonement. He's it. And that's why the first thing he says in the synagogue is this passage, because he's foreshadowing what's gonna happen over the next three years when he goes to a cross. And so our posture, the way that we approach this is that we approach and we receive. We approach God and we receive his grace.